Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here for the Sports ETA series. Um, and thank you for Brain Fuel for their support. Uh, really excited to have Craig, Kate, and Adam with us. Uh, Craig, the executive director of USA Softball. Kate, the director of sports performance for USA Fencing. Um, and Adam, the CEO of USA Artistic Swimming. So excited to talk about what's upcoming here in Tokyo with the Olympics uh, upon us. Uh, I know all three of you are very busy and uh, have had a lot going on, uh, needless to say, over the last uh, probably 16 to 18 months, let alone the last four years as, you, as you've as you been preparing. So um, I want to start off with, you know, obviously the three of you have heavy involvement in variety of um, Team USA activities, but how you got to what you're doing. Uh, and, and ultimately, I know Kate and Adam, you both uh, had some time in field hockey. So um, <laughs> interesting start to a career. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, Adam. Uh, yeah, I like to think of my uh, process to where I'm at as pretty linear. I, I often say that I wish more people had the, the stepping stones that I took. Uh, I started out of grad school as an intern with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee um, and then got a full-time job there. Uh, spent six years with the organization and then really saw that I needed to diversify my skill set and took a job, as you mentioned, with USA Field Hockey. Kate and I did not overlap. We missed each other by a short period of time. But um, I spent three years there as business development director, a membership director there. And um, it just gave me the insights and knowledge to uh, adequately apply for the artistic swimming, at that time, synchronized swimming job when it came about and I was fortunate to get it and here I sit it's uh two and a half years since I accepted that role. Kate where did field hockey, field hockey take you? Well actually I was a lifelong still am a lifelong field hockey player played at the University of New Hampshire um, and then I, I came out of school looking for jobs and uh, there was an opening at USA Field Hockey to travel with the national teams. And I was like, how do I sign up for this? <laughs> so it was a great role. Um, I was there for about 14 years. And then after the London Olympics, um, a similar role became open at fencing. And I thought, well, man, I don't know anything about fencing. Uh, but some, some very smart people convinced me that the skills were transferable. So I've been at USA Fencing for about eight years and um, really enjoy the difference, seeing the difference in an individual sport uh, compared to a team sport. So it's been awesome. Craig, not so much field hockey for you, but still on a field and still yeah. have stick and ball, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say no field hockey here, but uh, I've been involved in softball for uh, over 45 years uh, as a player, starting the grassroots program and then uh, became an umpire. Was a lot better umpire than I was a player. Uh, and then was on the administrative side in Indiana, where I'm originally from. Uh, and then I went on to come to the national office here as the director of membership services back in 2002. And then I became the uh, executive director of CEO in 2013 here at USA Softball. Uh, 
I, I have not had the benefit of spending my entire life in sports. It seemed like it was my hobby. I worked in the computer industry to start with uh, for a few years and then uh, was able to do some nonprofit work as a CEO in Indiana before coming here to USA Softball. So, but I've been around the sport my entire life. And uh, so it's, it's uh, sort of something I grew up with. Did, you know, I'll start with Kate on this, but as you think about the Olympics and obviously it happening every four years, what's the buildup to, or what's the process like as you're thinking about from a career perspective, um, what it takes to get to an Olympics, put on an Olympics in the sense of, you know, getting your team there and, and um, the qualifying and all of the things that lead up just for our listeners to understand um, it's not just, you know, you're waiting around for three and a half years and all of a sudden it's like, all right, the Olympics ca came up, um, you know, who's going and when? Uh, there's a lot more to it. So Kate, can you shine a light for us a little bit? Sure. Well, generally the prep for the game starts, well, eight years, six years out with starting with some site visits to the host nation, um, just making sure um, national coaches are in place um, to get the team's development up and ready. Um, you know, we're all in, in the movement, we're all sort of freaking out that now Paris is only going to be three, three years away. So um, if my colleagues are like me, we already feel like we're far behind uh, from a Paris perspective. And, and on the other hand, it feels like we've been ready and preparing for Tokyo for forever, it seems like now. So, you know, just given the last minute changes that seem to happen every day, just trying to adjust. Um, but for sure, Tokyo has been on our minds for a long, long time, and we feel really ready to go. Craig, to, to your side of things with influx of, you know, college players coming to USA softball on the team and um, obviously waiting a year, how has that made an impact in the buildup, the process, recruiting, uh, the whole thing? You know, we were one of those sports, uh, we, we named our team real early back in October of 2019 because we wanted to try to get ahead of the curve. You know, softball, we haven't been in an Olympic game since uh, 2008. So we've had a lot of years to prepare and very fortunate to be back with, with baseball here in Tokyo. But, you know, in, in 2020, we had everything figured out. Our head coach is going to take a year sabbatical uh, from his university job. Our, our players are going to take a, a redshirt year, the three college players, and that way we can all be together for the entire year. And then, as we know, um, the world changes with COVID. And uh, so this year, it was a completely different plan. Our head coach actually uh, coached his uh, university this year and had a lot of fill-in people to help us with our training sessions prior to uh, going to Olympics. Our coaching staff is now back full force uh, for the first time here in June and July before we go to, to the Olympics. And still without three players. Uh, those three players will finish up their collegiate year. They all three. Uh, we'll play in the College World Series, uh, so we won't have those collegiate players uh, until about June, June 10th, 11th time frame. So it's it's been different. Uh, you play in one way, and then you uh, need to be fluid and flexible when you move into another direction. But we just felt like we couldn't ask people to put their uh, their lives on hold another year, so we had to change gears and and do it that way with our college players and uh, our other 15 have been troopers. They've uh, they've done everything we've asked them to do and. Uh, the college players have the benefit of staying in shape with, with their schools and playing and actually getting good competition. Uh, and But our other players, that's been our challenge, is finding good competition for other players to play against. Adam, from a perspective of the business side of it, what is someone who's looking at, you know, the, the national governing bodies and, and how they operate, what would the, the general sports business person not know about how things work? 
as it relates to preparing <laughs> as it relates to preparing for the Olympics. Oh, okay. Um, and I know that's probably a loaded question, but you can pick one thing. It, it is, it isn't. I mean, if you look at us as national governing bodies, we're all relatively similar, right? As membership organizations. And uh, that's how we are, for the most part, almost all of us have our primary revenues positioned there. Uh, and that piece of it, coupled with what are we going to do with our national teams to get them properly prepped, is a, a very difficult juggling act that we've I think the majority of us, if not the whole of us, have executed very well over the course of the last 14, 16 months, whatever you want to categorize it as, because we've seen almost all seen revenues decline tremendously, right? In my case, we're a $1.7 million organization standard year, uh, and we had revenues decrease by more than a million dollars, right? Well, you still have to keep, in my case, you have to keep our national team training um, and preparing uh, because we have the games ahead and they're in full-time training the entire time. So what does that take? It takes some budget trimming. It takes some good focused effort, but at the end of the day, it takes what it's taken for everybody is buy-in from the whole to make sure that you put the right pieces in place to get there. So is that something that people don't know? No, I think it's something that we've all experienced what you don't know about getting to Tokyo is that it is one heck of a ride, uh, regardless of the COVID scenario of it. Um, but the COVID scenario of it just brings in the stop and go aspects that add more time, more finances. Um, my team left yesterday, uh, finally, for the Olympic qualification event. It was rescheduled four times. Uh, and so based on that, you can't project anything. Uh, and then... Uh, hope like heck that we qualify in the coming uh, coming week ahead um, but it's it's just so many unknowns and so we continue to put our best feet forward and stay flexible what's unique about your sport that maybe as you kind of uh, talk with your colleagues best practices etc that you know your sport um, maybe presents different challenges than Kate's got with fencing and Craig's got with softball yeah so we're performance based sport. So recognizing that we don't have direct head to head competition the same way that Craig and Kate would, where you have another competitor on the field of play with you. And so we've done some creative things. We did a really great virtual event. Canada replicated that international standard um, worth points, worth money, all those things. Um, but for me, what's been most satisfying that it's kind of difficult for other sports to execute is we've continued to train as a team and as a unit and through that we've been able to inspire and excite and engage with our membership at a completely different level than I feel like a, a national governing body that has individual athletes or a national governing body that's not uh, together all of the time all uh, 12 of our athletes and the three coaches that lead the national team are together. So that creates more social media, more content, more buzz, more interaction, more engagement. And that's led us, you know, if we're looking for silver linings, that's been it for me. Kate, what about you from a fencing perspective? I got to ask real quick, when you first got in, what was one thing you learned that you're like, wow, I did not realize that? 
<laughs> well, I guess the answer to, to both your questions, one of the really cool things about fencing is that it's an individual and a team sport. So on one day you're in the individual event and a lot of times we come up US versus US, which is so hard. Um, but then a couple of days later we move into the team event um, and also at the Olympic Games, same same thing will happen. So one day your um, your teammates are your competitors, and the next day you need to be, you know, a cohesive team unit. So seeing how our athletes manage that like blows my mind all the time, and and they've gotten so good at it. So I think uh, from from a fencing from a sport perspective, I'm not sure if there's another sport where you're competing and then teammates <laughs> the next day. Who roots for who? Like there is, I mean, that's got to be. Uh... So uh, that's got to be a difficult one, I would, I would imagine. Well, we don't allow any coaching in the individual matches, U.S. versus U.S. for uh, U.S. versus for obvious reasons, but it's a quiet venue when that happens. Interesting, um, Craig. From a softball perspective, um, what's unique? You know, obviously, you mentioned you haven't played since two thousand eight. So, you know, are there any different rules, regulations? How, like, how have you gone about it now that you've had to wait thirteen years? Uh, I think the big difference for us once we get there is going to be the format's different. In the past, we've had a format where we played all the countries, which we'll still do. However, there we had to play a, a, a final and then move into a grand final. So you had, a, you had the opportunity for a blemish, so to speak. Now it's head-to-head it's -head against the other five countries because there are six total countries at the Olympics. And the top two at the end of the day, the top the two teams with the best record will play for gold, and then the next two will play for, for bronze. So the format's different. Uh, and, you know, every game we have to win. It's not we can go in and have a blemish and, and still be safe. The only thing the only thing that guarantees you to play in a gold medal game is if you go 5-0, to be very honest, because if you get three, four, and one teams, and the way the tiebreakers fall, you can be four and one, but you can be on the outside looking in, and uh, don't want that to happen. So um, that's that's one of the big differences for us as we go into into this Olympic versus any other Olympics. Kate, you mentioned earlier that you now have three years preparing for the next Olympics after Tokyo, and I know you're you're locked in on on Tokyo right now. But what's got to change if you're preparing three years as opposed to? four or even as you mentioned kind of even farther back anything well the timeline is definitely sped up i mean you know we haven't been to paris yet and that's you know primarily primarily due to covid um so once tokyo's finished we're going to hustle up and and get over there and um, continue our planning process you know prior to the pandemic we uh had a vision for what would be happening from an organizational perspective post tokyo and those plans are still in place just a little bit delayed at this point from the perspective of you know thinking about how to leverage the the Olympic opportunity right and your business in everything else you know outside of the Olympics, how do you go about that? And and Adam, I, I guess we can start with you in terms of just the year-round uh, membership opportunities and so on that you're able to try and leverage the the Olympic um, timeframe. Yeah, um, so I'll start by saying. Uh, not because of the IOC, but because of our own issues. We haven't been in the Olympic Games since 08 either as a team. Right? And so similar timeframes to Craig, but for us, it's, it's truly everything. And I've seen it. Right? Our membership, as I said, we've engaged with our membership at a much more intentional level. And they're starting to believe in our national team. And if we qualify, 
uh, at the qualifier this upcoming, I just make the statement of the dates are June 10 through 13, um, then things will change tremendously on the standpoint of the way that our membership and hopefully people outside of the membership view us in the sport. So that's, that's one way. And every national governing body after the Olympic Games gets some greater recognition and we see a percentage increase that is greater than our norm um, after Olympic Games years. But what you're really asking is how do you capitalize on that further? And we, I say it all the time, we just have to get better at telling our stories. And if our stories are good, then people will come and engage and be a part of what it is that we're doing. So that's really what we're looking forward to. We will qualify a, a duet for sure. Uh, I can lean on that. And we're already starting to develop our plans around fundraising, sponsorship engagement, and um, membership connectivity during that portion of the Olympic Games. But if the team comes in and things change dramatically and we can uh, just exponentially grow what we're trying to, trying to put forth. Well, and, and with that, I mean, a, a medal obviously would, would help even more so, um, you know, that's a given, but I think, you know, Craig, from a youth perspective, right, just even the landscape of being in the Olympics and the exposure for the, the youth currently and, and trying from a participation standpoint to utilize that, how do you, how do you try and take advantage of that in, in the sense of building um, the youth participation across, you know, not only the country, but um, you know, from, from community to community. Well, it, you know, and, and that's a very valid point. Just uh, telling the story, Adam hit the nail on the head there, telling the story. We, I think we've done a better job of that this time with our athletes, but we want uh, all young athletes to aspire to be where these athletes are. I mean, there's only, there's only 18 spots, but still you want everyone to aspire to be there and you want your membership to play because of those reasons for different reasons there to make the maybe the national team or just to get to make it get a college scholarship uh you know from those standpoints but you know i think it's, it's just important to our membership and, and for us to give back and june and july is an opportunity especially the month of june we're playing here in oklahoma city this month we're playing in texas uh twice this month uh, and we're going to have capacity so we're, we're going to have an opportunity for uh, about 5,000 people at each place to have the opportunity to see Team USA and to start building that brand awareness for the athletes because at the end, it's a team sport. Well, as we know, it, it's still when you're building a team sport, you're also building the individual athletes uh, for them to have the opportunity to, to either stay in the movement or to move on to uh, a couple of bars that will be retiring at the end of this game. Some of them will stay in it and they'll, they'll want to play and, and continue to try even, even though our next Olympic potential for us is, is LA 28 um, because we're not in Harrison 24. So, um, but I, I think that's important is to let the grassroots program see that there is that opportunity at the end. Uh, and our, our players do a great job of telling the stories on how hard you have to work to get there. And, and let them do the work of telling that story. And it's our job just to present the opportunity for them to hear those players. Now, the storytelling component, certainly huge, huge part of the business, no matter you know, what level you're at. Um, I, I wanna transition into our brain fuel segment as, you know, look, it, it helps me kind of get locked in for the day, but I can only imagine trying to get locked in for a flight to Tokyo and uh, to, you know, to not only get, uh, on and, you know, have a good flight, but then to actually be productive and effective once you get there as well. 
uh, you know, Adam, I guess I'd start with you on what's on your playlist uh, going to Tokyo. Is there anything you're putting on, you know, just, uh, you know, replay? Yeah, I got a full disclosure that I'm not going to Tokyo. Uh, I just, there's, there's so many limitations and things like that that are going to keep me from doing that. Um, but uh, I wish I was going to Barcelona right now too. Okay. If, 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 you but, had, if you had a flight to Tokyo, what's on the playlist? Trust, I, I will be prepared for future trips, right? And I can speak to past trips as well, but I am a movie guy, 100%, right? And um, as much as I think that I'm going to be productive on an airplane, that's not what ends up happening. So it, I have now accepted that that is my rest recharge time. Uh, international flights, I can sometimes work some in there, but I always have movies on reserve, but usually they got a good playlist of movies on international flights. And I spend my time just trying to relax and get my mind right for one, we do get there because when you get to any event, uh, regardless of how much responsibility you have there is always a constant go and so that's how I use as much of my flight time as I can is there any USA uh, team like team USA themed movies that you go you know kind of throw back to uh, everybody can say miracle right but I like to keep I like to stay cutting edge and come up with what's what's best and what's next uh, right. again that's my time to actually catch up I got I now have two kids at home under the age of three I have zero time to catch movies so that's what I'm using it for anytime I can. Yeah, if anything, you're probably you're probably on the Disney movie train, which uh, yeah, I got I gotcha. Uh, Kate, what's on your playlist? Well, I'm like Adam. I take a flight to rest and relax and recharge. So if I if I'm not having a noise canceling headphones and my eye mask on, then then definitely got some '80s dance tunes going on my playlist. Craig, are you going uh, '80s, 80s dance tunes? <laughs> no, it looks like we're all pretty much movie type people. I do the same thing. I'll get in there and I'll put my headphones on. And my goal is to, not to pick a movie. I really have to watch, to be very honest with you. That way, if I fall, if I can fall asleep, I fall asleep. Um, I've, I've had the, the pleasure of making the trip to Tokyo. I think this will be, because we went over there every year since 2017, at least once. One year I went three times. So uh, I've made this trip a few times uh, and it's, um, it, it is a grind. And you just approach it. And, uh, and the best words I have when you get there, try to blend in immediately and uh, go to bed at, at uh, their night time, not your night time. So, uh, but I'm into the movies and uh, just um, whatever I can do to, to get my brain just to shut down, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're, you, you definitely, it's not your first rodeo. You've, you've got some best practices to share for sure. But when you think about, uh, Craig, you mentioned 45 years in the business and, and also um, just the, the ability to focus day in, day out and mentally prepare for the small wins, the struggles, the, you know, the successes, the failures. How do you prepare for your day and, and how has that evolved over your career? Uh, you know, I think the way it's evolved uh, is that you have a plan of what you want to do for the day, knowing that plan is going to get disrupted. Okay, it's just, it's, you know, it's going, to, it's going to get disrupted until you get here as soon as you can to get some of those major items off your checklist. Uh, and then you move into whatever uh, they're going to throw at you for the day. I mean, it's just what we live in uh, in the sports world right now uh, and in the world that we live in with, uh, with ever-changing COVID conditions and things like that. So um, every day I get up with a plan. 
uh, and I get to the office and I get a couple of those items checked off and then you wait for people to, to walk in the door or, or your phone to ring and it normally changes your direction. And um, Just know that when you change your direction, you're still accomplishing what you need to accomplish for your company, for your sport, uh, and, and don't, let it get, don't let it bog you down there. Uh, and then I try to use um, the three Ds. I either do it, delegate it, or dump it. Uh, so one of those Ds and, and try to get it off my plate as fast as possible. Adam, I see you smiling over there. You know, I, I think um, from a, your plan gets interrupted all the time. You might have some wisdom there to share. Yeah, I might be uh, adopting the three Ds of Craig Crest <laughs> now. Um, I, but uh, yeah, it, Craig's sentiment is so strong and clear to me that I, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, uh, again, NGBs are all pretty much similar, right? It's just scalable based on size. And so, um, I'm not going to say anybody's headaches are bigger or smaller, or you have more staff or less staff. It, we all have very, very similar things going on. And uh, you, you look at your calendar at the morning, and then by the time noon comes around, it doesn't look anything like that, except for the, you had to be in the meetings that you had to be in. And so the support system, and when I say that, I say that from the home support system and from um, my staff support system it is where it all starts and ends for me. Uh, if I didn't have them uh, in both cases, uh, we wouldn't be what we are as artistic swimming today. Uh, and then you know, I can only control so much. And if I try to control more than that, forget it. I'll just drive myself crazy. And I probably wouldn't have this job any longer because I would have drove other people crazy to this point. So you know, it, it is also much those, those things that Craig alluded to and then just identifying what you can manage and what's important and getting it done. Kate, do you have any different perspectives on how you prepare for your day as an athlete versus, you know, in the office? Oh, I mean, definitely the same, right? Like uh, making sure you get as much sleep as possible, finding a way to disconnect, exercise. I think um, if you can't find a way to recharge yourself as an athlete or, or in business, you're in trouble the next day. So, um, and when our athletes need us almost 24 hours a day lately, it's uh, even more important. From a perspective of just sports business as a whole, what's the most important, you know, side of the business from a mental perspective? What do you have, whether it's your staff, yourself, what, what is most important for those growing in this business as a whole? Kate? Um, again, I think it's very similar to what our athletes are going through is just having that resiliency and grit and um, just getting to the grind and, and making sure that you're doing everything possible possible to either support your members, your athletes, or whatever part of the business that you're in. Um, but, but for sure, the pandemic has taught us all also to be learn how to be very flexible. And, and one thing for me I've learned is that it's okay to change your mind. You know, with a certain set of circumstances you're looking at one day, you make a decision and the next day you have to be okay with saying, okay, now I know this and we're gonna of course, um, you know, change directions and, and get, get done what we need to get done. But I think um, if you don't let yourself being okay with uh, changing your mind and, um, you know, resetting your priorities, you'll be in trouble. Adam, I'll go to you on this one next because you've got two kids and then we're going to Craig with the grandkids to kind of see if your perspectives differ here. Hey, give me a repeat of the question so I articulate it right. So at the end of the day, right, sports business is going to be a grind. Obviously, you guys are going through that right now. But what's the most important mental side of it in terms of working in the business? I work in sports. 
I mean, and if you take that approach to it every single day, what is this? I, you know, I mean, we are impacting lives and we are doing some really, really good things and important things uh, society-wise and in the sport environment. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what we're doing, right? We're doing something that we've enjoyed our entire lives. Now, I wasn't an artistic swimmer, but I was an athlete and I still aspire to be uh, in Craig Slopich softball leagues, right? But like, that, that's, that's what this is all about. And if we can just refocus on the fact that we have jobs that are really enjoyable and make people's lives better, and we aren't saving lives here, right? We are in some contextual ways, but uh, it, we're not doctors here. So we don't have those stresses. Like put it in a good place and go to work and enjoy what you do. Craig? You want to wrap us up? Yeah, I always try to know that uh, Adam's right. The, the sport is the sport. I mean, we have the business side of the sport. We got to deal with some um, dreary and gruesome details at times. But in the end, it's the sport. And, you know, I, I enjoy going outside here at our facility during the summer. And uh, I'll spend my Friday afternoons when we have an event going on. I'll sit in the stands and just listen to people. And I'll have my lunch while I'm watching the game. That's my kind of the breakaway to realize that, you know, this is this is why I do this. And, you know, but Adam's right. We're spending our life in sports. I mean, it took me a lot longer to get to that than, than, than Adam and Kate. They were smart enough to figure it out right out of college and stuff. But it took me a little while to determine this is what I wanted to do or, or where I needed to be. Um, but in the end, there's two different sides. There's the fun side of the sport, the side that everybody enjoys. And then there's the business side and just always remember and, and Adam, you know, he, he talked to me about this too. Remember the fun side of the sport. And uh, we, we've had those discussions and, and, uh, and you really have to, sometimes you, you really got to talk to somebody who understands what you're going through. And it is not, we're not doctors. It's not life or death. Uh, but, you know, I know that some people hinge on us winning and losing, but it's, uh, it's all about how you play the game and doing it in the right way. Um, but yeah, keeping the two separate uh, and, and taking time for each side of it is the most important part for me. Last question for you as, as we end today's episode. Uh, obviously, we'll be paying attention to softball, fencing, and artistic swimming. But is, if there's another sport that you are gearing up to watch on TV for the Olympics, what is it? Oh, for me, um, it, it's rock climbing because I'm, I'm terrified of things like that. So I always get I always enjoy watching people kind of work through what I wouldn't do for anything because I'm scared of heights. So for that, I guess I'm, I'm looking at that and, you know, and that and I'll just be amazed by all the athletic abilities of, of everyone. And, um, you know, just like I learned from Kate today, uh, I didn't, I forgot to put two and two together that they have an individual portion as well as a team portion of fencing. So, um, you know, just those different things. But for me, I'll be watching rock climbing because I'm scared to death of heights, so, um, how they manage that. Kate, where, what are you watching? I'm anxious to welcome some of the new sports that we have in Tokyo and, uh, you know, wishing I'll be at the surfing venue, I think looks pretty cool, but surfing, skateboarding, can't wait to see how those play out. Adam? Yeah, I mean, I... I'll probably get excommunicated from the aquatics world if I don't say that I got to watch my diving, uh, water polo and swimming friends and they're going to do some great things, right? It's going to be incredibly inspirational. And I think in all three of those disciplines, you're going to see some amazing things, but, uh, 
I'm a wrestling guy. I officiate wrestling on the side. And so um, we're going to put together a really good team, especially the women's program. Right? Uh, I, I think that there's going to be some, some special moments coming out of that and I'll be glued. That's a, that's a fun fact for sure. An official rest, wrestling um, official. That's, that's pretty good. So Adam, don't worry. Rich Bender shares it as often as he can. He takes pictures of me often. Yeah, he, the, he sends it around the group that I, I, the CEO of Artistic Swimming, love wrestling. So you well, can share that as much as you'd like. I love it. Well, I, I definitely. I figured you'd be hanging out with a board member, Adam. Isn't that right, Kate? You're always <laughs> hanging out with board members. <laughs> well, we we all are rooting for Team USA um, as we as we watch you guys prepare. But Adam, Kate, Craig, really appreciate your time and. Um, taking a part in this sports ETA series with the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like Brain Fuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.